You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and we have a absolutely jam-packed show. And so I actually took notes this time, got them sitting here in front of me, because I have quite a bit of stuff that I want to cover in this intro before we get into the main event. So uh, I want to do a little bit of gear talk here. I got a couple new things that I'm going to be running this year that I'm really excited about, and I thought it was worth telling you guys about. So first off, I am almost officially a saddle hunter. Uh, I, I think I might have mentioned it. Uh, good old Andrew from the Ohio Outdoors podcast on the Sportsman's Empire. Uh, he hooked me up with a tethered, I believe it's the Elite saddle. And so uh, he shipped it down to me from Ohio. I got it ready to go with that. Uh, but he kept a lot of his like ropes and everything. And so I was talking to my buddy Charles, who had let me borrow his saddle uh, when I went on my Nebraska trip. And he said he actually had a couple extra like ropes and stuff like that he, he would give me. And so I remember I got on Tethered's website and I was ordering some other stuff because he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to need like the carabiners and the platform and all that stuff. So I put all this stuff in, in the cart, uh, you know, online, but I didn't actually hit, you know, buy because uh, I wanted to wait to see, you know, what Charles had while he was going to give me. So I met up with Charles. I gave him his stuff back. He brought me some of his extra stuff, and uh, yeah, he helped me out a lot. Gave me some uh, some tethered or yeah tether ropes, I guess, <laughs> not the brand, but the actual rope uh, and stuff like that. And I swear that I went back and hit confirm on my order, but I was looking through it today because nothing had shown up. And uh, I couldn't find any trace that I had actually ordered all this stuff. Uh, no emails, no shipping stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I just didn't actually hit or ever hit confirm. And so I actually just went in earlier today and re, you know, filled everything in my cart and did actually get a confirmation email this time. And so the rest of my saddle gear is on the way. Should have it in plenty of time for Iowa and uh, hopefully do a little, you know, public land hunting around here before I go to, I, I, mostly I just want to practice with that stuff, you know, climb up and down and, and hunt and shoot and all that good stuff. So, so yes, saddle stuff, I'm officially going to be good to go as soon as those last few things come in. Um, one other random gear thing that I wanted to throw out there uh, you know, if y'all listen to my Nebraska episode, I was very unhappy with my pack situation. Uh, I used the big pack that my buddy Randy had bought me on my elk hunt when all my stuff got stolen. 
and it, it fit everything. You know, I could carry everything, but once I actually got to the tree and got set up, it was just way too big and bulky and like didn't have, it didn't have enough pockets for small stuff, you know, like my release and my headlamp and batteries and knife. Like, you know, you don't need a lot of space for that type of stuff. And generally when I'm whitetail hunting at home, that's really all I need. And so I was looking around online and went to a couple stores and just wasn't really finding anything that I needed. And then it happened super randomly, actually. I, uh, I got an email from Cabela's. And it was, you know, like whitetail gear sale or something. And so I clicked on it and I found this thing. It's called the Sitka Tool Belt. And I think they have one, uh, I think they have a full pack called the Tool Box maybe. But this is the Tool Belt and it's really like a fanny pack. And never been a big fanny pack guy. Just like, you know, I've always felt like it was kind of limited. But I, I got to look at this one because it was 40% off. That was part of it. Um, normally very expensive and still pretty expensive even 40% off. But the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. Um, it's got a pretty big pouch. The pouch has like a little, uh, oh, like a piece of, uh, plastic's not the right word. Uh, like on a, a lot of packs, it'd be like a piece of bone or something that you put through a hole and turn sideways, and that's how it latches. So it doesn't have Velcro, doesn't have zippers, doesn't have anything loud like that. It just has the nice little latch. Um, it comes with two... Um, uh, like bottle holders on each side, but they're pretty oversized. Like you could fit a Nalgene in there. <coughs> um, but the thought I had was like my rangefinder, but you put your rangefinder in there. But both of those also, you can just hit two little clips and those pop off if you don't want those on there. Um, so it has some custom customability. Uh, but then the thing that really sold me was it actually has shoulder straps. And so if you're like really weighing it down or you have to go a long way or maybe you're just wearing a lot of clothes that are real bulky and it's not going to stay up very well, you can throw those shoulder straps on and it'll help it stay up. And uh, what kind of really sold me on that was like, you know, one of the hunts I did in Nebraska uh, to carry my sticks in the platform, uh, Charles let me borrow like his little pack that holds the platform and it has thin little shoulder straps and that's how I carried my stuff in. And so with this uh, fanny pack thing, I could put that on and then still put, uh, the, the saddle backpack on. And then I have all my gear, my sticks and my saddle platform all on my back and my hands are completely free, you know, minus carrying my bow. So all that to say, like I said, it was kind of expensive, but I got it 40% off. I think I ended up spending like 110 or 120 bucks on it or something like that. Um, but just very, very excited. Like I think it's the perfect size and, and very mobile. And you know, when I get in the tree, um, you know, I can use the shoulder straps to hang it on a hook or something. It'll be right at the, that level that I need it at. Um, like I said, easy to grab stuff in and out and just really, really excited about it. So anyway, want to throw that little, uh, piece of gear tip out there. Um, this last weekend, so this last weekend was opening weekend. Oh, welcome to deer season, by the way, uh, and bear season and elk season and antelope season. Uh, I've seen online, you people are getting after it and congratulations to all you who were, uh, were successful, uh, you know, opening weekend, but, uh, myself, I didn't have a very good opening weekend. Um, I was hoping to get off early Friday. That didn't happen. So I ended up getting, uh, out to the ranch late Friday Saturday, like really my only goal was to get my food plots planted. And if you listened to my episode last week, you heard me go on and on about how I wasn't sure if I should plant them or wait or all that. And, you know, the wind and we had an east wind and blah, blah, blah. So basically I got up there and, you know, I kept checking the weather. 
And it was just solid east wind, east wind, east wind, like no doubt about it, it was going to be an east wind. And so basically the decision that I made was I, I, I didn't feel like I could hunt on that east wind. It was also still, you know, burning hot. And I looked ahead and I saw this upcoming cold front that we'll talk about in a minute. And I just decided that it would be better to stay out and wait. And, and also, like I really wanted to get my food plots in because there's a big chance of rain this week. And, and then, um, you know, actually the, the episode we did last week, uh, we talked to Keith, you know, from Stratton seed and he was talking about how, you know, you didn't want to wait too much longer before you got that seed in the ground. So all that to say, I decided to forget hunting and just finish all my prep work. And I know I preach that all that stuff should be done. But again, with the, with the food plots, I tried to plant them two weeks ago. I couldn't get the equipment, um, had other obligations. And so this was my last chance. And so, um, you know, it took me like a half a day, of course, to get all of our equipment together and operating and air, you know, in the tires and all that good stuff. Got it over there, had my seed, got my first plot, the big one in the back, completely planted. I did that one first because, you know, just in case I was going to be able to hunt, uh, I wanted to just disturb that one as least as possible. So did the big one first and then something happened on my way to the second one, the one that's in the saddle. I don't know if I caught a limb or a root or what, you know, it's pretty rough and wooly back there where I'm hunting, but I get to my second plot. I drop the, the disc down on the, on the no-till drill, start going forward. And I look back and I realize nothing's turning. And so I raise it back up, put it down, try it again, nothing. Look back and I see that a chain is loose, like, you know, hanging off the, the sprockets. So I go back there. Luckily I had my little tool bag. Um, get that chain put back on, feeling pretty good about it. Get back in the tractor, start going again, still nothing. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So climb down again, go back there. I'm looking around and I see another chain hanging down. And sure enough, it was the drive chain. The one that goes like around the wheel and initiates everything, turns all the gears. Um, at first I thought it had just come out, come off also, but I start looking at it. I see it in dangling, which is never a good sign. And looked a little closer. And like again, I don't know if it caught on something or what, but the master link was gone. Like I don't maybe it just got old and worn down and, and the pin came out or something. But all that to say, at this point it's like four thirty or something on Saturday in a small town and you're just not getting that fixed under those conditions. And so that was pretty much it for the drill. And so luckily I had one bag of seed that I had not put in the drill yet. And that one bag of seed was actually perfect for that little food pot I was about to plant. So with the rain coming and everything, I decided what the heck, I'm just going to throw it out here. So I just went around, I had like a little styrofoam cup and just broadcasted it by hand. Um, didn't have a way to drag it or anything like that, uh, but just broadcasted it all the way across the plot. And then, you know, took the tractor back to the house and everything, got it unhooked. Um, I've pretty much decided that like I'm, I'm done with the drill. Um, even though it would still be nice to get uh, my last two plots, you know, really drilled and seeded good. Uh, it's just so much hassle and work, uh, to get everything back there. You know, we like our, our drill is about 16 and a half feet wide and most of our gates are about 16 feet, two inches. And so you have to take this super long winding route. And, and like I said, it's just a huge hassle. I, I love having access to all this equipment. I know I sound kind of spoiled talking about it. Um, but honestly, the equipment is a little bit too big to be used for like food plot, you know, hidey hole food plot type things. 
So, so yeah. So that was pretty much it for the planting. Um, I went to Walmart, and that was the only place I could think of that I might be able to get some some kind of food plot seed. And sure enough, they had a, a couple bags of, uh, I think it was Evolved Harvest 7-card stud. And uh, I actually kind of liked the the look of the seed mix. I don't know about the quality of the seed, but the mix looked pretty good. And so uh, the next morning on Sunday, I went out and my third food plot that I didn't get to, I went ahead and just broadcasted a bunch of that seed out again by hand. And it sounds like, uh, I'm, I'm recording this intro on Wednesday, and we're supposed to get this big storm coming through tonight. So I'm hoping that stuff gets a big, hard, you know, soaking type rain on it, and it should be okay. A lot of those cereal grain, you know, a lot of the, the mix was just wheat and rye, oats, uh, some turnips, I think a few radishes, stuff like that. And all that stuff, it, like, it's fairly easy to grow. Like, you know, obviously it's better if you can drill it in, but I think I should at least get something. Um, so, yes, food plots essentially are done. I can't say I'm super happy with them. But uh, it, it is what it is at this point. I'm, I'm not messing with them anymore, I don't think. So, so yeah, got that stuff done. Um, my blinds, I, I think I told you guys, I, I set the one blind up that had blown over, but it was really uneven. And uh, so I brought a, a concrete block with me to put underneath one of the legs, straighten it right up. The door closes and everything now. So that was super exciting. It definitely leans a little bit to the right, but I can deal with that. Um, the other blind in the saddle that was so low last year from the bulls rubbing on it and pushing the legs out uh, while I was back there planting, used the forks, lift that thing up. Again, I had some concrete blocks I'd brought with me, slid those under the front legs. So that one's pretty good to go. And that's basically it. Like I think everything else is good to go. All my feeders are filled and running. All my cameras are filled and running. I do have one cell cam that's not sending me pictures. And so I actually have an antenna. I just didn't have like a pole to put it on. And so uh, next time I'm up there, I'm going to take a pole with me, attach an antenna to it, and hopefully get that one to where it's sending pictures. So so all that to say, um, hunting-wise, not a great weekend, but I do feel like I made the right decision. Um, I needed to get that stuff in the ground just for the entire season. Uh, I have since gotten pictures of all the bucks I was getting, you know, still in daylight and stuff after I did all the 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 planting and everything. So didn't screw anything up. Um, stone is still coming in pretty much every day in daylight. Uh, he didn't, I think Saturday, I think the night I planted, he came in a little bit later, um, which, you know, with the tractor driving around and stuff that made sense. I was kind of prepared for that. Um, the next night he was back last night he was back. Um, so yeah, still very, still feeling very good that I can kill that buck. Um, hopefully this weekend. So yeah, very excited about that. What else is on my list here? Uh, oh, yes, this upcoming cold front. Um, it's time to play hooky, guys. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, Yes, the conditions are perfect. Um, these bucks are coming in in daylight, um, and so I am pretty sure I'm going to work like a half day on Thursday and maybe not work at all on Friday, and I'm going to hunt Thursday evening for sure. Not sure how I feel about Friday morning. I haven't had a lot of activity in the mornings, um, but if I don't kill Thursday, I'm going to stay and hunt Friday evening as well. And then probably Saturday morning. Like, it's supposed to dip down quite a bit that uh, that night. Uh, if anything, I need to kill some coyotes and some hogs. Been getting lots of pictures of those. Um, but, yes, very, very hopeful. And I know y'all are going to be listening to this kind of after the front is through, but I will just tell you anyway, this 
first big cold front of the year during hunting season, you need to be hunting. Uh, if it's too late for you this year, put that on the calendar for next year uh, because these first first like real big drops in temperatures, it's going to drop over 10 degrees. You need to be out there. All right, I've already been going for like 15 minutes, so probably tra- time to transition into the actual episode. Uh, this week, we have one of my favorite guests on. We have Miss Amy Mateg, and she is a female taxidermist, female hunter, and she has just been rocking it the last couple years. She is big on goals, and she does not quit until she accomplishes those goals, and so that's why I admire her so much. She also does fantastic taxidermy work. She's done, I believe, two shoulder mounts for me now the last two years and uh, she just has so much passion for her work and does such a good job and and just a really really good person so so tonight we're talking to Amy she already has a buck on the ground as well as her son already has a buck on the ground and so yes just very excited for it our first uh yeah yeah sorry I had to double check myself uh our first successful deer hunt of the year right here on this episode so hope you guys are ready for it please help me welcome Amy in after we hear a quick quick word from our sponsors so thank you guys for tuning in lots of good stuff coming up and we will get into the episode after a quick word from our partners right after this there is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we have one of my favorite guests on, Miss Amy, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, John. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. I always enjoy having you on, and uh, you're just so fun to keep up with. You're so (laughs) goal-oriented, and you work so hard to accomplish those goals, and so, yeah, I I love following along with you and everything, and and we're going to talk about a little bit about that today and share your story and everything. But before we get there, real quick, why don't you just give everybody a quick little introduction of who you are? Well, that's that's a very limited. How would I describe myself? I am Amy with Primetime Taxidermy. Mm-hmm. I was once a dental hygienist of 20 plus years, and now I own and operate my own taxidermy shop and i am starting my third year this october mm-hmm. awesome. and i'm a avid hunter outdoorsman love to fish love to i mean be outside period but uh i'm a mom of four boys and grandma and i just love life and i love sharing my journey and i just i absolutely love everything that i'm doing right now yeah, exactly. So. And that's, that's why it's so fun <laughs> to follow along. I feel like you're just like, Hey, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And don't, and you know, get out of my way while I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like a bull in a China cabinet sometimes, but uh-huh. you know what, if that there will be a hole made, that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. And I, yep. I will leave, I will leave an impression. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Awesome, Amy. Well, uh, I don't want to talk about this buck that you just killed. It, it was opening day, correct? 
Yes, sir. It was that awesome. evening. Okay. Yes. We, we were kind of talking a little bit about this before uh, we started recording, but it seems like there's just been an above average amount of early season success. Like I saw so many good deer, you know, on social media and stuff that were killed opening day and even the, a few days after opening day, which to me oddly doesn't make sense because it's so hot. And, you know, I, I tend to almost preach not hunting opening day because usually just the Mm -hmm. conditions aren't right um but for whatever reason this year and i would say the conditions weren't right but still it just seemed like i I, i'm wondering if maybe the drought had something to do with it like if deer more reliant on feeders or food plots or something i don't know but it just seems like a lot of deer have gone down already that's what i was thinking because i mean where i hunt there is no grass there is no I mean, everything's falling. It's, mm-hmm. um, the deer are coming in, they are in the woods, but it's, you know, they're going to the feeders regularly and all that other stuff mm-hmm. where my buck, my buck was in an area that does not have a feeder. We did put some mineral out, uh, but it was, you know, in the trees in a certain spot. And that was just, uh, my goal was to get a deer or get a buck with my compound bow. That was mm-hmm. my goal. Mm-hmm. And, um, so went out, you know, opening morning, I couldn't wait. Of course it, it is like a national holiday. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it's become for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course I, there, there were does around me. There was, you know, but nothing would give me the right shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they scattered about 10 o'clock and I was like, okay, it's going to get 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. And about that time, my son texted me and he had gotten a monster buck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course my granddaughters were super excited about that. And I was like, man, why didn't that big one come in for me? You know, <laughs> and of course, you know, that's what everybody thinks. And my granddaughter, my oldest one who does hunt a lot, she was crying because daddy got one before her. Uh-huh. So she, uh-huh. she'll be the next one to get it. But now were y'all hunting on the same property or were y'all in different no. places? Okay. No, completely. He he's hunting up in northern hmm. north central um Oklahoma. I'm in southern part. And gotcha. um like I said, I told my husband, I was like, I'm gonna go take advantage because I have just a limited days to mm-hmm. to hunt yeah. because life happens and mm-hmm. you know another grandson is going to be born. And so, and deer season is going to be very active. And mm-hmm. I was just super excited. I was just like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go on out. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I went to the same spot. Hold on just a second before we get there. I do want to back up just a little bit. <laughs> so before, no, we get into, fine. You... before we get into that story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was going to ask like, you know, all kind of leading up to opening day, you know, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. y'all put some mineral out. Were y'all running feeders? Did you have cameras running? Like, were you after this buck or had you seen, no. like, did you know he existed? Okay. Yes. We knew he was, he existed because he was an older buck mm-hmm. and, um, declining in health. Mm-hmm. I, I, we knew that from watching him, we had seen him and he, he did not pattern himself by no means. It was mm-hmm. just, he, he kept coming every day to a different feeder, different location, different places and stuff like that. And we'd see him in passing, you know, whenever we checked our cameras, yes, we checked mm-hmm. our cameras regularly. We had him running. We knew what was out there. Um, but it was, like I said, if he, it was one of those that one of us, hopefully we would get him. Mm-hmm. that that was my husband and I it was like okay yeah he's an older buck we need to take him out if yeah. we could okay and that that was it that was the conversation so yeah, sure. 
Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now we'll fast forward. Uh, so tell us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about this stand. Uh, you mentioned this was your first deer from a, a tree stand, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell us, tell us about, you know, setting it up, where it was, how you decided to put it there and all that good stuff. Well, it was in, oh, well, for one, I do not like walking to a deer stand. Mm-hmm. period I, i'm one of those that if i could put bells on and run the whole way i would i am <laughs> terrified because of the hogs and right. i know they'll run the other way but i am terrified mm-hmm. so we found this little opening in this tree line and um we, john and i had discussed my husband and i had discussed you know that this area because there was a little opening about you know 50, 45 yards i'd say inside the tree line and we were like, I think that tree, and then there were some lanes that kept going sprouting off of there. And so we opened that area up just a little bit more to where they had a little bit more room. And John has a lot of skid steer business that he does, and he made the clearing just a little bit more to where those deer, you know, they had walkways. They don't like to, I mean, our deer, they love the lanes that they can travel in. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. They started traveling those lanes. And uh, like I said, during the summer, we put mineral out and there was a block and a camera. And that was all that we had in this area. And we put this tree stand up. And the first day in the morning, I, I was looking at the deer that were below me. And I'm like, they're 10 to 12 yards away from me. And I'm like, that is really, really, really close. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the whole time I was just watching and I'm like, I cannot even breathe. If I blink, they're going to see me. Mm-hmm. And they did. They end up, they did see me during the morning. And so, like I said, I was really doubtful for the evening, but I was going to go no matter what. And so I told John, I was like, I just, I said, I'm going to go again. I said, we're going to have to move the tree stand, I think. I said, because it's just too, it's too close to everything. And it's right out in the open. We just, I was, I did it myself. Mm-hmm. I, I told him this is where I wanted it. And so he, he let me figure this out. Remember, I am a new hunter in mm-hmm. all of this. And so I'm learning as I go. And he was like, okay, we'll put it here. And um, so I, I I don't even know what time it was, but anyways, I went out there early like I do because I love to sit there and I love to just absorb nature that was outside, you know, just enjoying it. And it wasn't bad because it was in the trees. The mm-hmm. sun was, you know, not beating down on me. It wasn't super hot. And, um, oh, I guess it was about five, 530. I noticed that the shadows started running down this tree line that where I come in at and that gave me enough time to stand up in my tree stand. And before I'd gone out, I had talked with John about, okay, now when I'm in the tree stand, at what point do I stand up? You know, what point do, you know, how do I do this? How do you know, explain to me and he was walking me through it and he goes, well, I stand up on the seat, you know, cause I'm anchored to the tree. And I'm like, I don't trust myself for that. So mm-hmm. that's not what I did. <laughs> And so when he, when I saw this deer, cause I didn't know if it was a buck or a doe coming down the trail or, you know, the tree line, I stood up and then I had my bow angled down at the ground, just ready to go. And, um, when he walked in, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's him. That's, that's the buck. That is the call buck. 
And so I just took a slow, deep breath to try to calm my nerves because instantly I thought my heart was going to pound out of my chest. <laughs> and um, he walked in, looked directly at me. Like I said, I'm, direct, I'm right in his line of sight. I'm not hidden in the trees, which was wrong. I found that out. You know, all of this, I did everything wrong, I guess. But but that's walked, how you learn. That's how you I learn. I was going to say, that's how you learn. And, <laughs> mm -hmm. and my husband's very good at letting me make my mistakes on this. He'll tell me, he'll advise me. And I'm like, no, I can do it this way, you know. And that's usually our conversations. And he goes, <laughs> well, I told you. <laughs> but he, you know, this buck was meandering around the trees, you know, and just looking. And then he'd stop. And, you know, just, just, it was a slow move. But he got within 10 yards and was looking directly at me. Mm. And I'm like trying to be as still as possible. Like I said, I'm not up against the tree. My legs are up against the seat of the tree stand. That is the only thing that is keeping me still from swaying and from him seeing me. And I, like I said, I still do not know how he did not see me. Of course, I'm decked out in camo and everything like that. My face mm. painted. <laughs> But I'm how just high, uh, how high were you? How, ooh, honestly, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I 15, 20 feet. Okay. I mean, let me put it this way high enough to hurt myself. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a, that's <laughs> that, a very good way to that, put it. I did that two years ago. I know high <laughs> enough to hurt myself. But, uh, uh anyways, you know, I, I, he looked at me several times at 10 yards. And I did not move a muscle. And, but like I said, I don't know how he did not see my broadhead jumping off my bow <laughs> because it was pounding. And um, he walked to where the mineral was in the ground and was sniffing around there. And he stood up, not stood up, you know, he looked up and then he looked away from me. And that was when I, I, I thought, okay, I've got one shot. I've got one chance to try to pull my bow, my bow back. And, um, I pulled back and angled right. He took one step away and that opened up that right shoulder because I was on his right side. It opened up that right pocket and that's where I aimed and it went right on through and hit the ground. And he, I mean, he jumped and took off and I had to sit down at that point because I was shaking so bad. I couldn't hardly stay in the tree stand. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I couldn't tell if my arrow had blood on it. Uh, like I said, it just went straight through him. And mm -hmm. I just was like, oh, did I, what did I do? You know, what, <laughs> what exactly happened? You know, uh -huh. and um, I was like, he did exactly what usually happens. He kicked, he, he, he did exactly what he usually does, but he ran off and ran through the trees and I watched him run. And then I, then he disappeared because he ran through everything. Um, I, messaged or I didn't message John until I got down from the ladder stand from the tree stand. Mm -hmm. But once I got down, it was about 10 minutes. I went over there and of course it was bloody arrow and I smelled it just to make sure, and mm -hmm. just make sure everything was good. And it was, everything was perfect. And I was like, okay, so I messaged him and I said, I got a bloody arrow arrow. And he goes, do you see him down? And I'm like, no, I said, I've got a blood trail. And so he, he was, took him 30 minutes to get out there. And by that time I had found just a little bit of the blood trail and then I lost it in the higher grass. And, um, I knew which way he went 
And so once he got there, I waited for him to get there and um, started walking. I think he, I, I think the deer was ran about maybe 50 more yards and it was high in high grass. I know that because mm-hmm. I have all the chiggers and ticks I've got <laughs> right now. <laughs> that, that tall grass is brutal, uh-huh. but yeah, he was a, he was a great, great buck and mm-hmm. my biggest one to date 12 mm-hmm. points I, I was gonna say you keep calling him a, a management buck but he was a pretty solid buck you know he might have been old but i don't know if i would have called him a management buck well we've got some we we've got some shooters around us <laughs> okay okay I, I, i've got my eye on one particularly but i, I don't know <laughs> if i want to uh battle the hogs that i've got with it so oh gotcha it, it, Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those patients if he'll yeah. show up in the right yeah. spot. <laughs> right, right. I'm with you. <clears throat> awesome. Well, you did one thing really well that stuck out to me, and that was wait for the right time to draw and shoot. Uh, I think that's where a lot of uh, beginner hunters hurt themselves. They get in there, they get excited, and and they rush it. And especially, you know, if the deer is kind of on to them, they're like, oh, no, I got to go right now. But it sounded like you were mm-hmm. nice and patient, waited, waited for him to look away. And so that is something that you definitely did well. Well, thank you. The, you know, my first buck, that chocolate buck that we had, that we mm-hmm. met with on the uh-huh. first podcast, that one was, um, that one was at 30 yards and it took me four tries to pull back my bow because I was mm-hmm. so nervous. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I was afraid of whenever I, I saw this one and I knew I was going to try and take him, but it was just like, oh, and am I going to do it? You know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Um, but yes, learned, I've learned a lot as I've hunted, you mm-hmm. know, breathing, <laughs> breathing is not just breathing, but learning to calm yourself by breathing slow and yeah. by breathe, you know, managing your fears and your, or your nerves at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the number one thing when you're bow hunting. The other mm-hmm. thing is I used to try to shoot it when their head was down. Mm-hmm. and i've learned that that is a the biggest mistake that you can do mm-hmm. you wait until their head is up and it's not they don't use that projection to <laughs> yeah you know that's that something dip. that i had never heard really i think i think last year maybe two years ago was the first time i'd ever heard people talking about that about shooting with their head up and not down yeah. because that was the old thinking wait till they have their head down so they can't see you um but yeah. i think just i think so many people are filming now and that's kind of where people started catching on because they were slowing it down and they found, yeah, like when their head is already down, basically they're already kind of preloaded to jump. Um, exactly. If, if the head's up, they have to lower that head and then do it. And so, yeah, that's something yeah. that I, I can't say, you know, I think I've only killed one deer with my bow since I learned that and he had his head down. So I guess I didn't listen to it, but, <laughs> but that is definitely something to keep in mind. So, and, uh, but and Oh, go it's, ahead. it's don't, I was going to say, but that's what you, you think is the right thing. They're mm-hmm. not looking at you. So you can, you know, if they're looking at you, why would they stay there and look at you while you shoot the arrow? You right. think, well, they're, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But. Yeah. And it's also just good. Uh, you know, like you said, you mentioned you got a bigger buck. It's, it's good that you got maybe one under your belt because, you know, the more experience experience you have, the easier it is to kind of calm down. And, and slow down, you know, one thing that I always struggled with, I, I hit a lot of bucks high when I started hunting. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of it was being excited. Another part of it was being elevated. You know, t- you tend to shoot a little higher when you're shooting down at an yes. angle. 
And so like, I remember, I guess it was three years ago, I was shooting a buck and I was whispering to myself, you know, aim low, aim low. But it was, it was really late at night and it was last light and he kept moving. Like every time I'd start to, to shoot, he'd take another step or something. And you know, I got in a hurry and I ended up hitting him high again, even though I was whispering aim low because I, you know, when it, when it got down to it, I just hadn't conditioned myself. Uh, and so that's something I've, I've always been working on. And the last two deer I've killed have been a lot better. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, getting some under your belt is always a good thing too. Well, one thing with bows, I mean, bow hunting is you'll, you'll never be a hundred percent. You'll never Mm -hmm. get that point where you can't learn mm-hmm. you, you always have to learn you you'll always be learning you'll always be practicing you'll always be fine-tuning you'll always be changing something saying "Ooh, i didn't realize this and that's i think that's what i love about it is the fact that it, it's not the fact that you can't conquer it it's the fact that there's more to learn every day you can you can get out there and try something new and do something different that's right excuse me sorry i keep having to clear my throat but um but you know also that that feeling that excitement that that panic (laughs) that's kind of why we do it you know like that's that's the whole point of this thing to to get to that feeling and so uh yeah awesome well you you described him a little bit but uh describe him a little better for us did you say 12 points he is 12 points yeah Mm -hmm. and um they're not big tines it it was just it was just a solid deer it was a Mm -hmm. solid bug yeah. And um of course, you know, there's no scars, maybe some old scars on him. I didn't really inspect him like that, but uh you know, he is gonna go on the wall, of course, uh-huh. in a certain amount. But um other than other than that, he was just a real good heavy, heavy and fat mm-hmm. deer. Yeah. Heavy yeah. and fat. Yep. So uh, I don't I hope that's not a predisposition predisposition what winter is going to be here in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been hearing some reports that it, it could be bad, but uh, yeah. you know, the 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 deer that I'm after this year and my number one buck, uh, I've, I've named him Stone and kind of for two reasons. Oh. One, because I had, I had, I put one of my cameras on video this uh, summer and I had I don't know, four or five videos of this deer where he wasn't moving at all. Like, I don't know what started the camera. You know, you might see his ear twitch or something. (laughs) And, uh, but statue didn't roll off the tongue very well. And so I was like, ah, stone's better. But the other, the other thing that popped in my head was like, kind of like you were describing, like he's not a monster, but he's just a good solid buck, just like a stone. You know, he's good and solid. And so yeah, Yeah. that that was the reason behind me naming him. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be on the wall or not. I might save that in case I get the 2% buck. He would definitely be coming to see you. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. So, yeah, I, I would say I've got that 2% buck too. Something like that. It's <laughs> yeah. like I've seen him once on camera or mm-hmm. actually twice on camera. And it's mm-hmm. like, where are you? Yes. I know you're right there. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I know other people are at after you too and that's yeah. the reason why i'm like where but i know where i know where he's at and i know mm-hmm. where there's some other animals that i really don't want to come across either <laughs> even though i kill them it's just yeah you know, no, I, it, there's I a difference it. there is there is i, I huge, get it you know huge difference. that was one thing uh <laughs> when i went up to nebraska last month uh there was a couple times where i was walking through some i mean woolly st- you know stuff 
head yeah. high, nasty stuff. But I remember thinking to myself one, at one point, I was like, I would never do this in Oklahoma. But here, like, yeah. not a big deal. Like, they don't have hogs. And that's that's the only thing I'm really afraid of. And so yes. uh, it does make I a difference. I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I, I did go on a hunt up in um, northern Missouri last year. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, you know, they were going to go to a certain spot and then they said you know you walk down that way and you'll find it and i'm like uh no what else is out there i want to know <laughs> you know uh-huh. and they're like what are you afraid of and i'm like freaking hogs in oklahoma <laughs> they will come after you uh-huh. and they're the size of buses that down there so <laughs> uh-huh. yeah but awesome well awesome amy uh yeah super proud of you super happy for you. you um Thank glad you. you got some more hunting ahead of you as i'm sure you do but uh i also wanted to uh to take a second here and, and give some people some tips so as you mentioned your taxidermist uh do great work i think you've done two for me already and yeah, uh so i think we did this last year a little bit but i was just hoping uh, that you could give some people advice, you know, maybe people who have never shot a buck that they've wanted to shoulder mount or haven't done many. And uh, I know for me, like the first buck that I killed that I was like, man, I definitely want to put this on the wall. I had no idea, you know, what to do, how to take care of it um, or anything like that. And so uh, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a couple tips, you know, some good practices um, and stuff like that. So if somebody is looking to mount a deer, you know, what's the best way they should take care of it? Well, the first thing I would say would be get it to a processor as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, you're going to, if you field dress it, definitely try not to cut it up the cape. Once mm-hmm. that, uh, the breast, uh, the front of the deer, do not, please do not cut that up between mm-hmm. the, the arms, please. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, yes, it can be repaired. It just takes a whole lot, lot of stitching to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the number one thing. Most people do keep cutting until it stops and you don't mm-hmm. need to do that. Just, just cut up to the breastplate and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, but once you take it to the processor, you can ask them to cape it and they will take care of it for you to where you do not have to do it. However, if you have no means of doing that and you're going to be doing it yourself, um, cutting it behind the shoulders all the way around is your best bet. Cutting the hide all the way around the shoulders and peeling it off all the way up to the base of the neck. Mm-hmm. That is that is the way that I would advise you to take it to the taxidermist. Mm-hmm. But most people, I would say 95% of my clients, they take it to the processor and they are the ones that cape it out mm-hmm. for them. Another thing right now is to get it as cold as possible, obviously because of the heat. Uh, but even whenever it's cool and like fall weather is about to hit us, hopefully, um, you know, your your deer is very warm and hot from just living and so therefore you still need to get it as cool as possible you need to get it inside and do not ever put your deer your hide your animals anything that you have ever killed this goes for any animal across the board do not put it directly on water or ice Hmm. triple bag it and then put it in your ice in your ice chest and then Hmm. put ice on it so when I bring you on with an ice bag shoved up the neck, that's not good? No. 
<laughs> I think I've done that with both the ones I brought you. <laughs> it's okay though. Good enough. I got to it fast enough. Yeah. Okay. And the okay. reason why is because and I think you the, I think you told me that last time. I think you did tell me that. So I'm glad you reminded well, me. Well, the the water will melt and mm-hmm. then it'll keep the hide completely soaked. Mm-hmm. And therefore that increases your chances of slippage on gotcha. my end. Gotcha. So okay. that's the reason why you just you roll it up as fast as possible, tuck it, put it in the bag, put it in another bag, put it in another bag, and mm-hmm. then put ice all the way around it and then get it to your taxidermist as quickly as possible. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Good reminder. Good reminder. Yep. All right. So when you get one this year, you just call me and say, I'm not putting it on ice. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> will. I'm putting, I'm putting will. it on ice, what not I, ice in it. Yeah. When I text you and say I'm headed your way, you can tell me, hey, no ice. So Yeah. Okay. And yeah. and one thing that uh, I'll just add, and again, not the expert, obviously, as I just proved, but uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I remember a taxidermist years ago telling me that um, you can't bring him too much hide or her too much no. hide, meaning like you were talking about, you know, cutting up. You know, you don't obviously you don't want to cut up past the the sternum for that cut, but also just, you know, cutting further down and giving you that hide. You can always cut it away. It's harder to add to it, Um, you know, especially especially if you want to do something a little different or it's, you know, maybe turning or something like that. Um, So, yeah, like I I normally go about mid belly or so um, and basically take everything from there up to the neck. So. Well, and. The last few hides that I've, or the you know, bucks that I've just caped out just this past week, they've, it's been the whole deer. Oh, really? I, I've got, I've gotten the whole hide. Yeah. Huh. And so I've, de- I've been doing the ones I've been cutting it. And gotcha. so well, it's easier, you know, leverage whenever you're pulling that hide off hmm. to just keep going whenever you've got it going, like from the I tail gotcha. down. I got so. you. That makes, that makes sense. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like I had. I feel like I had one other thing. Nope. Can't think of it. Can't think of it. Okay. Um. Is we'll, uh, let's cover a few other critters just in case you know people listening. Um. What about let's say uh somebody sitting in there and they shoot a bobcat or a duck or something like that. What about what are some good ways to take care of that? Those go whole. Mm-hmm. So you do not gut them. Obviously, you just put them the same process. Uh, make sure you tag it and make sure everything's, you know, correct with that aspect of things. But you just, with your bobcat or with your furs, usually what I do is I, I tell people to curl them up as if they're curled up in the floor. Um, you know, just make a circle, put them in a bag, put them in another bag and get them into the freezer as quickly as possible. With your birds. I say the same thing. I put a, I say, put them in a very extra large Ziploc baggie, tuck the head up underneath the arm or underneath the wing and get all the air out of the bag and then put it in another bag. And then what I usually do is I have my hunters put a a masking tape with all their information on that bird. Mm. When they got it, you know, all of the numbers that they need, the dates, everything on that masking tape. And then that way the hunter knows exactly where their bird is and when they want it, you know, to get it taxidermied. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's good. What about uh, back in my day, which was a long time ago, I haven't had a a duck mounted in a long time, but uh, what about pantyhose? 
Have you ever heard of that or done that? Uh, I've gotten some with that, but majority mm-hmm. of the people that I've spoken to, the ones that have been doing, you know, bird taxidermy a lot mm-hmm. longer than I have, they said that, you know, that's been disregarded. It doesn't really gotcha. matter. As long as you just put that head underneath the wing and lay, you know, of course you don't want to just throw your bird. You want to take mm-hmm. care of it. Right. And so, um, you're going to lay it into the bag just as best you can. So gotcha. it, to me, it does not do anything. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, for the people listening, that's what I was told to do to help protect the feathers. You know, you slide it in there and you know tie it off and stuff and the pantyhose help compress and kind of keep everything tight but so that's why i was just wondering so okay nice yeah you you hear you hear different stories you hear the old timers that do say that this you know that does really does help and then you hear the other people that say well a ziploc baggie is you know it's the plastic it's not going to um grab any feathers Mm. because it's very slick you know and Mm -hmm. if you lay all your feathers down the way that you would normally tuck it in it's going to stay that way. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Man, I remembered the the other question I was going to ask on deer, and I already forgot it. And so, (laughs) well, then you'll remember it again. I might. I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, Man, am I missing anything, Amy? Any other uh, helpful tips or tricks when it comes to taxidermy? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I got a, a little bit more challenging one for you. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen several people who have taken bears this year, and yep. I I know that bears can be really tricky to skin. Um, have you had people any people bring in like a whole hide? Would you recommend them trying to do it themselves? Would you rather do it? Um, what about a bear? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I did get two in Mm -hmm. and, um, one of them, of course I got, I got the whole, the whole hide and we're going to do a shoulder mount. And so Mm -hmm. therefore I did it according to the way that I needed it done. Gotcha. But the, uh, pause, of course, that's, that's something that I, I do. And, Mm -hmm. I, you would, I'm trying, it's hard to explain on a bear. Uh, you know, it's, it's rolled up. Of course you've got the head skull that's in it. And then you've got the, depending upon how far you go down on the arms or, you know, on the Mm -hmm. legs, on the arms and legs, how much meat is left on that. Um, one of them had no meat. It was just down to the wrist bone. Mm -hmm. Another one had pretty much the whole arm except for the shoulder. And that was a little bit more tedious and more difficult, but, uh, you know, that I, I do that, I do that because I have to get it down to the last knuckle. Yeah. So, um, as far as getting it, of course, you're going to be, you're going to do that out in the field and then 
taking it off. Everything is done for me. I, I'm doing the rest of it. So gotcha. okay. I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, no, no, it did. But, um, yeah, I was just curious. I've, I, uh, I thought I might get to do a little bear hunting this year, but some things didn't work out like I thought. And because I did think I had a chance to actually kill on opening day, I ended up not getting a, a tag. Um, but it's definitely still on the list for sure. Like a lot of Oklahomans, I think it's, it's definitely on yeah, the list. Yeah, I was so. going to say, it's that, but you know what? They're growing in numbers. So therefore, I mm -hmm. think it's going to definitely be something that is going to be happening for us yeah. really quick, I yeah. do think. Yep, I think so. so. I think so. Awesome. Well, Amy, I can't think of any other questions. I can't remember my last one. Um, but before I let you go, I want to be sure to give you a chance to shout out your business. Uh, so if people are listening to this and they want to bring you something to get it mounted, how should they reach out to you? They can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Primetime Taxidermy 2021. And even on TikTok, but you know, TikTok is very limited on my on my stuff but they can definitely reach out on that and um i've got cards at some of the processors here close to me but um i don't know if i could put my phone number out there or if you'd just rather do social media that you are welcome to it's completely up to you oh well yeah here's my number <laughs> okay I'll, I'll, i've got two numbers working and <laughs> so i will answer if i don't answer i'm in the woods but you can text me um, but my number, one number is 918-968-5683. My other number is 918-290-8633. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> Don't, you need to double check real quick. <laughs> that's exactly what I was just going to say. That's okay. That's okay. Now I feel like a fool. Nah, that's all right. I'll fill time by saying oh, yeah. that. Oh, go ahead. I did it right. 918-290-8633. It's been a while since I had said that number. So. <laughs> no problem. No problem. But both of them, both of them work. I respond, like I said, to text or email or, or a phone call. Um, sometimes I'm elbow deep in deer and varmints and different things. And so therefore, if I can't answer the phone call immediately, a text will be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sweet. Well, Amy, Primetime Taxidermy, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I love having you on. Um, if you get that other buck, be sure to let me know. Um, I'd love to have your son on sometime if, if we can work that out. And uh, yeah, um, just really looking forward to the upcoming season. Really excited for you. And uh, I hope you not only get your other buck, but I hope you get lots of business. Well, I appreciate it, John. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you guys. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Well, thanks for jumping on with us. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Perfect. Thanks, John. And there we go. Thank you, Amy, again for coming on. As I mentioned at the beginning, just an awesome person. And I've really enjoyed watching her hunting journey, her taxidermy journey, her life, the growth, everything about it. So just a super awesome person. Like I said, if you're need, needing some taxidermy work, be sure to look up Primetime Taxidermy and you won't be disappointed. So that's it for this week. I hope everybody is safe out there. I hope everybody stays warm. I've been waiting so long to say that. I don't know if it's actually going to be cool enough to really be cold, but I just wanted to say that anyway. So like I said, get out there, do some hunting, be safe, wear your safety harness, practice with your weapons, all that good stuff. 
And until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.